Movies, shows, video games, books, whatever your interests may be, we all find ourselves escaping to some fictional world at one point or another. Here on this podcast, I want to dive into these vast worlds, explore what makes them unique, and find out what goes into crafting such a place. I'm Jacob, and you're listening to Fictional Deep Dive. Welcome to the very first episode of Fictional Deep Dive. Before diving into today's topic, I want to give some insight into how exactly the show will run moving forward. For the next few episodes, you're going to hear my voice as I give my thoughts and review specific pieces of fiction that are both relevant and interesting to me. I want to give my review and then look at them from a creative writing perspective to see what they do right and what they do wrong. So without further ado, let's jump into today's piece of fiction a show that was released about a month ago on Netflix titled Cyberpunk Edgerunners. If you're unfamiliar with the show and its world, the story takes place in Night City during the 2070s, a fictional place that shares a likeness to Los Angeles. The world follows a similar history to our own until reaching sometime in the late 1980s, although that's up for interpretation by long-term fans. The main difference between our world is that the world of Cyberpunk Edgerunners and the game it's based on, Cyberpunk 2077, is one that is divided by endless wars and fights of control by megacorporations throughout the city and the world. However, before I begin to unpack this and find out what role the show takes in this world, I want to go into the history of the show, primarily looking at what it's based on. As I mentioned before, Cyberpunk Edgerunners takes place in the same world as Cyberpunk 2077, a game that was released back in 2020 and takes place in the year 2077, hence the name. Although not all that necessary to the history of the show, the game received an extremely poor launch, with the game being practically unplayable for a year at least. Although things have begun to turn around, it's safe to say this blunder definitely had an impact on the public reception of anything new coming out of this fictional universe, including the show. This is why the show's success was such a surprise to many people, fans and non-fans alike. Cyberpunk Edgerunners is a prequel to the game, and although no actual date is given, it takes place roughly a year prior, placing it in 2076. The show basically takes the world created in the game and places its own story and characters into that world, which is part of the reason why it works so well in that it doesn't spoon-feed information about the world into the show, but rather allows audiences to either already have an understanding, if they've played the game that is, or observe all the minor details sprinkled throughout the show to instantly pick up on the type of world this is. Although Cyberpunk Edgerunners is based on the game Cyberpunk 2077, the actual world and some of the minor characters present in both titles actually come from an old tabletop RPG created all the way back in 1988 by video game designer Mike Pondsmith, simply called Cyberpunk 2013. The game has had a few different versions released, so the names do vary slightly, such as Cyberpunk 2013, the original, Cyberpunk 2020, the second version, Cyberpunk Red, etc., but 2013 was the first edition. To begin to compare the world to our own, I'll have to focus mainly on the video game Cyberpunk 2077, as it was the main introduction to this version of Night City that introduced the sights and sounds that would be present in the show. 
Now let's shift away from the history of the game and the show itself and focus a little bit on the actual content featured in these pieces of fiction. Night City basically takes place in our own world, as I said before, but with everything cranked up to the max. Capitalism is portrayed in a very negative light as corporations control basically everything, with advertisements being unavoidable. There are even ads in people's homes, whether it be on the walls or whether those homes have vending machines constantly blaring ads in their kitchens. You can probably tell just by me describing it that this isn't exactly the best place to live. The city itself is independent from the rest of the country, allowing it to have its own government. But of course, the actual puppet master behind the government heads are the corporations. Some of these corporations in the show and the game are Arasaka, Militech, Kang Tao, just to name a few. This is the world main character David Martinez finds himself in Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Throughout the show, we watch David attempt to take control of his life in the city, joining up with a group of mercenaries just trying to survive day by day. In the end, especially in Night City, the city always wins. This is a theme that's present both in the show and in the video game. However, the characters we meet along the way and the relationships formed, especially between David and the love interest Lucy, are all done extremely well and definitely make for an exciting yet tragic story. Now let's transition away from reviewing the show and focus a little bit more on the creative writing aspect. What does the show do right in its world building, and what are some tricks people can learn while watching? One thing that is a staple of writing stories mostly when it comes to script writing, is show, don't tell. It's almost always best to show an audience what somebody is feeling, rather than telling them what they're feeling outright. While I haven't played the tabletop RPG, unfortunately, the video game and the show both do this extremely well. Night City feels so lively. It's a breathing place, living, and part of that is because the writers treat it as such. The amount of planning that goes into fictional worlds is vital to making it feel real and the writers who created Night City absolutely nailed it. From the music that plays on the radio and simple sounds of the crosswalk telling pedestrians that it's safe to cross, even the sound of an incoming call, small things like this were all planned in advance and add depth to the world. With that being said, it's a perfect transition into what I believe Cyberpunk Edgerunners does right in terms of its world building. The main thing that the show does right in particular to immerse people into the world which is something that I've been touching on this whole time, is not give too much exposition as to how the world functions. Although you could argue that the show does give exposition dumps into characters' feelings, the world is always put on display, allowing you to make your own inferences on how it works simply by examining what it's showing you. Let's look at an example of the show where it actually doesn't do too well with showing and not telling. In many of the scenes with David and his mother Gloria, we learn about their relationship and their financial situations through exposition given by Gloria. An obvious example is if you've seen the show, the car ride home from Arasaka Academy after David was punished for refusing to purchase school licensed tech. The conversation between these two characters feels like it's intended for us, the audience, to understand their struggles. It doesn't quite feel like an actual conversation between two people in the car. Although this is between character exposition and not quite world building, it's best not to do the same thing. 
For those writers out there trying to craft your own fictional places for your stories, add in small details that may seem meaningless while writing, but help to add depth and a sense of history to the world. This is something that I myself learned in creative writing classes that I've taken in college. While it's okay to have the occasional exposition dump, like ones between David and his mother, they should only be used if there is no other way, or maybe if you're tight on time, schedule-wise, when it comes to the length of your story. Another way that exposition dumps may help is for details and information that are too complicated or too complex to simply show, and actual exposition would help to get information across to the audience, but information like this is rare. For worlds and the characters occupying those worlds to feel believable, they have to have a history and a unique background. This is something that cyberpunk does right in so many ways, whether it be the show, the tabletop RPG, or the video game, and why I believe it's worth investing in for those interested in the cyberpunk genre and looking to write their own fictional stories. Although I've briefly touched on the show and the world of cyberpunk edgerunners, I wanted to keep today's episode relatively short. That and the history of cyberpunk would take a couple hours to tell at least. I hope you were able to learn something that you didn't already know if you were a fan of the show Cyberpunk Edgerunners. And if you weren't, maybe I've convinced you to give it a try through my review of the show. In the next episode, we'll be looking at Amazon Prime's Rings of Power, which just wrapped up its first season. We'll mostly focus on the writing of the show and dive into some of my thoughts, but that doesn't mean we won't take a look at the fictional world Tolkien created that the show is based on. I want to thank you for listening to the first episode of the podcast. I'm Jacob, and I hope to see you next time on Fictional Deep Dive.